0: There's something about him, I feel like it's me, I'm looking right at him, he's literally me. Welcome to another episode of Literally Him, a deep dive into Ryan Gosling's filmography. I'm your co-host Joseph.
1: And I'm your co-host Emilio.
0: Welcome back, everyone. I want to start off the show by saying thanks for sticking with us. Me and Emilio took a week off because, hey, our lives get kind of busy. But thanks for coming back and listening. I also want to say that we have a TikTok account, and you guys should follow that. It's literally him podcast. And uh, yeah. What's up, Emilio? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Um, just uh work and had a wedding last week which was really nice shout out to Tina and Gio the newlyweds yay um, i was severely hungover the next day and i recovered pretty well but just getting back into work and stuff was kind of fatiguing uh what about you how how the week's been
0: yeah it's been pretty crazy um as the listeners know, I'm a teacher. I teach uh, two sections of AP World, regular world history, AVID, economics, and now I'm the new advisor for Key Club. And uh, yeah, it's been fucking wild. But hey, it's always nice to watch a movie and get to chat it up with you. So I'm excited to be back here. Um, what's uh, what's Key Club?
1: I, fr- I kind of forgot what that is.
0: You know, I'm not even hundred percent sure. It's um, it's <laughs> like a it's like a national society, and students like do they focus on um, what you call it um, community service? And so, I'm their advisor, and I just have to be there for meetings and help them organize sh- events and shit like that. So, yeah. So it's kind of like the Illuminati. they do have like a symbol (laughs) that does look like the Mason, (laughs) like the Mason Masonry symbol or whatever, whatever. So yeah, I don't know what the hell is going (laughs) to happen.
1: Wow. Maybe, uh, you found your way into that and we'll find our way into Hollywood. We'll Um, really kick this podcast off. God willing. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right. So we're tackling Lars and the real girl this week. And to flip the script, I usually ask Emilio a question at the beginning, but this time he has a question for me.
1: Yes, yes I do So Joseph Mm -hmm. Um, So the premise of the movie is Lars brings home a fake Well not fake, but a uh, sex doll into his life And Mm -hmm. he's convinced that it's a real woman How would you react if either of your brothers One day brought to a family party a sex doll And acted like she was real?
0: Ah boy you
1: know, um
0: I would like to think that I would act like the character Karen, the uh the wife of Lars's brother. She's really nice about it, really understanding, really sweet and super down to just like be there for Lars. But I think the reality is that I would be more like Lars's brother Gus and question it and be maybe a huge asshole, maybe even more <laughs> of an asshole than he is and be like what the fuck are you doing dude? Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> Lars, as we'll get into like suffers a great trauma that's prevalent in all his life and so he has a reason and the doctor like gives a good reason why he, why he's going through this uh, for what I know about my brothers, I don't know if they have a reason to do that <laughs> <laughs> but how, how would you
1: react if that happened to you? Um, I think I would ha- be like a combination of both. Um, like I would kind of embrace it, but at the same time really question it and maybe not outright, but kind of subtly throw in questions to kind of see how much of this how much of that is like a reality for my brother. He also, like, from what I know of, doesn't really, um, I guess he's more like involved in work and stuff. So I would just assume that my brother needs a sexual companion, you know? (laughs) So I'd be like, all right, just as long as I don't hear anything. As long as I get a turn. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's... Come on, bro. Let me get it. (laughs) I know you're in my room, bro.
0: Please, please let me
1: hit, bro. Please. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Interesting. All right. (laughs) Let's get into it. (laughs) All
0: right. uh, Before we get started, Relio, do you have a synopsis ready for us?
1: Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, Extremely Shy Lars played by Ryan Gosling, finds it impossible to make friends or socialize. His brother and sister-in-law worry about him, so when he announces that he has a girlfriend he met on the internet, they are overjoyed. But Lars's new lady is a life-size plastic doll- woman. On the advice of a doctor, his family and the rest of the community go along with his delusion.
0: Yeah, uh, this movie I watched for the first time when I was in high school. And I thought that it was a pretty good movie. So, coming back to it all these years later to watch it, uh, I was kind of reserved in like my criticism and what I thought of it beforehand. But I was very pleasantly surprised. Like, this was a really great watch. I liked the movie a lot. What were your general feelings about it?
1: Yeah, honestly, me too. I watched it um, in high school. A lot of these like indie films were on Netflix. When. Uh, around the time that we we're in high school so i watched like a bunch of these these films like like Lars and the real Girl um slc punk uh like just so many independent movies and yeah i really like this one and i had a funny thought watching this because there's like a I, I i didn't even look up what group it was but there's there's like this kind of melodic uplifting song that's playing in the intro credits I don't know why, like yeah. I was kind of sitting there and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun little movie." <laughs> yeah, that's very
0: like characteristic of like a late or I'm sorry, early two thousands indie movies. Like they always have these yeah. like I don't know what you would classify it as. as it's this like folksy, like quaint yeah. music that always plays. Yeah,
1: so. there you go, like folksy music. Like uh, what are yeah. they called? Oh, I can't think of the band right now. Mumford and Sons. Yeah, Mum- <laughs> Mumford and Sons. <laughs>
0: I was just thinking about the other day how fucking annoying Mumford and Sons are. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you share that same <laughs> take. Um,
1: I kind of like them.
0: I like a, I like two songs. They're like two biggest songs, but I don't know. It just I, feels like when they came out, every band was trying to sound like that.
1: Yeah, that's true. I can. It's like Mumford fatigue, I guess. Mm. Mumford and Sons fatigue. I do like some of their songs. I do like some of their albums. Um, this person I was going out with, uh, she liked them a lot. I mean, it was Bridget. Bridget likes them a lot. I do not want to out her and say like, no, Mumford and Sons is shit. Shout out, Bridget. (laughs) But, um, uh, I do, I do like a few of their songs. I'm not the biggest fan of them, but, uh, I mean, I guess it's kind of, I'm more of a fan of that, of Kings of Leon than I'm a fan of Mumford and Sons. Yeah, same. Although now I feel bad
0: knowing that Bridget likes them because I think Bridget does have good taste. So I, I should probably take <laughs> back that point. Now.
1: I love Mumford and Sons.
0: <laughs> um, so this movie came out in uh, 2007, and it was uh, directed by Craig Gillespie. Uh, Craig Gillespie also did I Tanya, which is another movie I love a lot. Um, oh, shit. And he has. Besides that, he has a pretty random ass like uh, uh, repertoire. Of movies that he did. He also did Mister Woodcock with, um, oh god, what's that guy's name? It's a very like raunchy, Billy Bob funny movie. Thornton with Billy Bob Thornton and Sean William Scott. Um, and then he also did the Corella movie that just came out with Emma Stone. To just tie this back to Ryan Gosling, <laughs> uh, and he's directing Corella Two, which will come out sometime after the writer strike. But Holy yeah, shit. he has a very very interesting filmography. Yeah. Um, do you want to walk us through the opening scene of this movie?
1: Uh, yeah. So in the opening, we are introduced to Lars, who's played by Ryan Gosling. And this dude is basically a hermit. Um, he seems anxious about the world. He lives in the garage. That's kind of been turned out into a small house and his older brother and his sister-in-law live in the bigger house, and they're expecting a baby soon. And right off the bat, um, it's shown that Lars really doesn't try to connect with people. And I think it's kind of a good way to start because I feel like for me, when when this this is introduced, that the sister, um, I'm not, sorry, not the sister, uh, well, I mean the sister-in-law, Uh, I need to find her name right now Uh, because it's Karen. Karen, that's right. Uh, when Karen's like inviting Lars to dinner, you kind of get like this sense of like this is the last time she's trying. Yeah, I kind of got like that that vibe, like, like this is kind of like a boiling over point in all their lives because. Um, she's really adamant about trying to get Lars to just join them for dinner, even though he lives like feet away from them. So it's made very apparent that they do not really socialize whatsoever. And then we're introduced to Lars at work, where he has uh, one coworker that he's in with the cubicle. They obviously have some type of office job. And he also doesn't try to interact with them much. He hardly tries to interact with anybody. And there's a woman named Margot who has a crush on him for some reason. Um, (laughs) I mean, he is a handsome looking guy in this movie, but he just has absolutely no riz whatsoever. No
0: riz. (laughs) I did want to point out in the opening scene, we were introduced to Lars and he's staring out at the snow. They never establish where they're at, uh, we just know that they're somewhere in the United States, um, but it's constantly snowing. And uh, he like uh, pushes over a blanket over his face or like a scarf. And I do want to point out, because it's my favorite vine ever, that's uh, one of the vines from the guy trying to sp- uh, spoon feed a cereal to wine- Ryan yeah. Gosling. And uh, <laughs> I always think about that vine. <laughs> I love that. I love catching that in random Ryan Gosling movies. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you. So in the scene when we're at work looking at Lars's life, uh, his coworker introduces him to the website, the Real Doll website, where he, where Lars will eventually get some inspiration. How would you react if you had a coworker that just openly showed you porn and real doll shit like that uh, on the daily?
1: I think to a certain point, I'd ask him to stop. <laughs> I mean, like, I think I would kind of have the same reaction that he has, which is, he's kind of like, oh, okay. And he like looks over and then he like looks away. I mean, if it were like, if it were a one, one or two times, I'd kind of be like, oh, interesting. All right. But if it were like every day, I'd be like, dude, what the fuck is your problem?
0: Yeah. Because, uh, when he, when he like, uh, bugs Lars, like, Hey, check this out real quick. Lars, <laughs> Lars retorts with, uh, I really don't feel like watching porn right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I would I would ask my coworker why are you trying to get me so horny at work, dude? <laughs>
0: dude, relax. <laughs>
1: we share the same cubicle, bro. You don't want to see me bricked up in here. <laughs> <laughs> so we see that uh, Margo, the
0: new coworker, uh, like likes Lars, but Lars is not interested, or at least that Lars is really awkward and doesn't know how to show interest. And so we cut to Lars arriving back home and Karen runs in front of Lars's car to get his attention. And then she ends up tackling him when he tries to walk away, when she's inviting him to dinner. Um, What did you think? All right. So Karen's played by Emily
1: Mortimer. What did you think of her uh, performance in this movie? You know, I actually really like Emily Mortimer. She's always, she's always good in, uh, in all the movies she's in. Um, I I saw her in uh, my idiot brother,
0: mm-hmm. which too, is a yeah.
1: Paul Rudd movie, and she—I mean, she did really good, well in that one. She always kind of like falls into movies that are like this, like independent, um, kind of family-oriented drama, mm-hmm. or even like family drama slash comedies. But I think she played this character really well. She definitely does come off as a little overbearing. I I guess in terms of like how involved she's trying to be in Lars's life, but I mean, like I said earlier, like it kind of feels like this is kind of like a boiling point in their yeah. lives, and maybe she doesn't know exactly like what to do. So her reaction is to I'm gonna force this guy to have dinner with us.
0: Yeah, um, and so they have dinner, and then we establish that. Uh, I believe at this point we establish that Lars and Gus's mother died when Lars is really young and they grew up with a single father who was kind of a shut in himself. Um, And then we, we cut to Gus and Lars alone at the dinner table. It's really awkward. And Gus tells Lars, like, we're really worried about you. Uh, Mostly Karen is worried about you. We want, want you to know that, like we want you to move into the house. Um, And Lars is very meek. He's very quiet. Uh, What did you think of Ryan Gosling's performance in these initial scenes as like being incredibly shy?
1: Dude, I think this is one of those movies that you got to sit down with Kato and tell her like Ryan Gosling is not Ryan Gosling in every movie. <laughs> Cuz this guy is not charismatic. This guy is awkward. This guy has no idea how to talk to people and yeah. that's not Ryan Gosling.
0: Dude, yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> you're very right that this is not this is one of the movies where he's not doing his like typical persona um he is so like distant from what he usually is and it's fucking awesome like this is one of the reasons why I love this movie so much he is just showing his range I also wanted to ask you um how do you think if this if Lars was your brother how do you think you would approach like talking to him and telling him that like hey like we're all worried about you do you think you would be really like uh willing to talk about that or do you think you would just let him do his own thing
1: um i think it would have to be i think it have to, i think it would have to be like under certain like circumstances i mean uh like it, like for me personally like if i think of my wife uh tackling my brother in the driveway forcing him to have dinner with us like i would kind of be like okay like she obviously seems some kind of major concern And I feel like at that point, I think I would see some type of major concern too. And I would try to, um, be open or just find a way to get him to open up somehow, even if it's not like with me, like suggest things. Um, I would definitely be a lot more concerned than how, uh, the character Gus comes off to Lars. Yeah. What about you? Uh,
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think I would have an incredibly tough time um, saying anything. Um, I will say not to get incredibly personal, but I do have like uh, not a very similar situation, but there's someone in my life that is uh, very hard to talk to, and I would like to talk to more. And after years of trying, like I'm in a phase where I'm just like, I it's fine. Like this is just the way they are, and I'm I'm going to stop trying. So I think after a while, I'd be extremely worn out and just kind of give up. Um yeah the actor playing Lars's brother is Paul uh, Schneider and he is also in Parks and Recreation. The only thing I don't really like about his performance is that he kind of always has a smile on his face even when he's delivering like really intense shit and I feel like it kind of undercuts his performance, but I wanted to ask you what did you think of his performance as Gus?
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of I've never seen this guy in like a big different role he kind of does play i guess the same character even like to what you said right now like he because when he's delivering certain lines and he has this smile it's come off like it comes off like he's being a little awkward about it so i think in my head like oh maybe that's just like an awkward um quirk that that this guy has like the character like oh he's kind of like he doesn't like to open up and talk about things so he kind of hides behind it with a smile like nah oh, like i'm uncomfortable so i'm just going to smile through it and get this out but he kind of does have like this constant smile and it's like what are you smiling about there's nothing to smile about dude think about what's going on in the world stop smiling all the time be He's like lars <laughs> <laughs> just be like lars all right so
0: <laughs> lars ends up hearing and like I guess internalizing with what his brother said that him and his uh his wife are, are worried about him. So we cut to six weeks weeks later. Um, a huge UPS package shows up to Lars and Gus's and Karen's house. Uh, <laughs> Lars <laughs> rushes back home and it, it he orders a real doll. Uh, do you want to walk us through the scene where before he introduces the doll, he's like talking to uh, Gus and Karen about having a guest over.
1: I actually, I really like that scene. It kind of, um, not kind of, it really shows, like, I guess the range that that Ryan Gosling has because minutes prior to that, he's awkward, he's not talking much, and then in this scene, he's giddy, and he's excited to have um, this, this doll over and you can really see it in his in his expression how he delivers like the lines um that he's excited and he kind of doesn't know how to like contain it Mm -hmm. and then um he brings in the guest and it's a big russian sex doll
0: (laughs) (laughs) i like that before he introduces uh so he ends up calling the doll bianca He's telling Karen and Gus like, "Oh, I need a favor. I'm ha- I have a guest over, uh, but because we're both Christian, we can't have we can't be in the same room alone. Like, do you mind if she stays in the house?" And Karen and Gus are like, "Oh my god, yeah, they're so excited." And, and then we smash cut to them all sitting in the living room like looking at this doll and they're yeah. trying their best to keep their shit together. Like, that <laughs> it, that's very, very good. I thought the comedy in this movie was very good.
1: Yeah, I like when um uh Karen is like, "So are you guys hungry?" and uh <laughs> Lars goes like, "Yeah, we're starving."
0: <laughs> it's so funny. It is it is incredible to see this flip of the character like uh, just in the previous scene when they're having dinner together before Bianca is introduced, like he's struggling to eat, like he's just so fucking visibly uncomfortable. And now that he has this doll this person bianca uh he is incredibly sociable um yeah i think the next i think the next uh, scene is like uh gus finding the website of real doll and oh there's yeah. like <laughs> the scene's so funny uh, like he clicks on one and the volume's like all the way up and it starts talking <laughs> and it's like this like lusty voice and he discovers like you can pick whatever doll you want and they also cut to Karen, like, looking at the dolls, like, uh, underneath her pants and seeing, like, that it's all, like, anatomically correct.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and they're
0: both so, like, weirded out. Um, I, what I found so endearing is that Karen is so nice about it and wants to help. Um, I, uh, do you want to walk us through the next scene when they go to the doctor's office?
1: Yeah, so they go to see, I believe she's a physician, but she they also say she's a psychiatrist which is um, Dogmer. I didn't get her first name, but I do. I, they do refer to her by doc, Dr. Dogmer, which is her last mm-hmm. name. But uh, basically, she tells Gus and Karen that they have to go along with it. That this is... Um, she also brings up that mental illness doesn't usually mean like a negative. It also doesn't mean that it's permanent but she does bring up that this is like some type of episode he's having and he's expressing these emotions and frustrations through this doll. And that uh, she, when she asks them to play along with it, Gus is immediately like, no, I'm not going to do that. And she basically tells him, well, I mean, you kind of have no choice because this isn't based in your reality. This is based in Lars's reality. And in Lars's reality, this is a real person to him. So you can argue with him and you can fight him on it, but he it's still going to be a real person to him until they get to the issue as to why, or the issue as to the reason why Lars has brought in this doll. Which I think is a pretty interesting way to take it. Um, I mean, it does sound kind of scary, And worrying to hear like oh you have to go along with this yeah but i mean i think she she knew obviously that at the end of this tunnel like they're gonna get to the issue of why lars is acting out with this doll i do like um go ahead oh no i
0: was just gonna say i like how they uh deal with like mental health that there is a doctor who's very level-headed And already there's Karen who's like wanting to understand, like on the doctor, on the ride over to the doctors, Lars is like pointing out stuff to Bianca as if she's real. And then Karen just does it as well and starts talking to Bianca just to like be comforting and nice. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think they do a good job dealing with like mental health and just pointing out like, no, he's not, he's not crazy or anything. He's just going through something.
1: Yeah. I, I do want to, I do want to point out there's like, Well, so after this, um, they begin to the, well, I mean the town starts to begin to hear about how Lars is essentially going out with this, uh, sex doll and there's a scene of Gus at work and all his coworkers are like making fun of him. There is this one, I don't know why this one specific joke really got me, but, um, (laughs) one of the coworkers goes, Hey, do you think, uh. Do you think Bianca has or not he doesn't know her by name yet, but he's like, Do you think she has a sister? <laughs> I don't know why that I don't know why that joke got me.
0: It's very funny how yeah, so like we established they live in a pretty small town so everyone talks. Um, but then we cut to a church group, Gus and Karen are asking for help because Lars is also also goes to church a lot um and there is like they're trying to be uh accepting of it or trying to understand it but there is one person and it's like a group of old people there's one old guy who is like just shutting it down but then one old lady comes to large's defense and says like oh he's a good boy and points out like so what? we all have problems your ex-wife used to be a kleptomaniac (laughs) and all this random shit um but i love how the town just comes together and really like accepts uh, Bianca and Lars' situation. Like, it's so fucking funny. Like, they cut to church, the service, and everyone's, like, staring at Bianca. Everyone's, like, kind of freaked out a little bit. But in the end, they end up giving her a bouquet of flowers as a welcome to town. And it's just so cool. Like, this is such an ideal world where, like, everyone would just be cool about it. Like, okay, whatever. If she's not hurting anyone, he's a good person. So fuck it, who cares?
1: Yeah. Yeah, this really does kind of have to be, like, a super small well-knit put together, not put together, but a well-knit close town for any situation like this to happen. Because if you try to do that anywhere here, especially in LA, you'll definitely get some looks and some mean things said about you. Probably. Um. There was a something. Oh, uh, I want to ask you, when they're in the church um, and they're singing the prayer, mm-hmm. do can you hear Ryan Gosling's voice? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like super high pitched. He's doing. So I was going to bring this
0: up too because in the initial scene where he's introduced, they show him at church and he's very meek and shy. Uh, there's a kid who drops a toy, and we show that Lars is like a really nice and compassionate person. He picks up the toy and puts it, props it back up on the like podium, but then it falls back over, and he like like smacks his face like he's embarrassed and shy and we cut to this where bianca's here and he's singing at the top of his register and you can clearly hear his voice on top of everyone like he's so fucking funny dude like those choices are so hilarious and build a character um yeah and then later they're at a lake and then uh ryan gosling is singing again at the top of his register what did you think of that scene when he's singing at the lake
1: You know, I always I just kind of think of it as like um, like he's singing as the the character. But that high pitch is sometimes it's like hard to listen to. (laughs) Really? You don't like it? I mean, no, but it's kind of like it's just so unexpected, like because he hardly does that. The only time Mm -hmm. you hear that is when he sings in this in this movie, when he's yelling at the top of his lungs, like in the place beyond the pines. Like you can hear like this high pitched kind of scratchy um voice. It's always just uh weird to to hear,
0: yeah, I understand um so <laughs> I think it's so good I think I like it so much um so throughout the movie, we see that uh uh Lars keeps taking Bianca back to the doctor's office because he's told by the doctor that Bianca has a high blood pressure and she needs to come back for checkups. But the doctor uses this as an opportunity to give like, um, Lars like psychiatric treatment. So we see that she helps him deal with like a uh, sensitivity to touch, talking about his relationship with his mother and, uh, also like helping him just try to like socialize more. Uh, yeah. and then we cut to, uh, uh, a, a party Lars goes to his co-worker Cindy's party uh, do you want to walk us through the scene Emilio
1: yeah so um, Lars uh, I actually there's a lot that I really like about this scene and it really shows um, how much depth uh, Ryan Gosling really brings to this character because yeah. um, right Before he knocks on the door, you can see like this anxiety that Lars has. Like, he, you can tell like he is so close to not going and he's so close to not even walking through the door. And when he does, um, it's kind of like in small increments, you can see this kind of uh, anxiety slowly uh, wither away. Because immediately his, I'm assuming his boss, um, maybe boss or coworker, maybe, but uh, um, she welcomes Bianca in there. She acts like she's a real person, and then the coworker who has a crush on him, Margo, she also approaches Bianca and Lars in there. They ask if they need anything, and throughout the um sequence, you can see that. The rest of the partygoers are beginning to really be open and be accepting of like the situation that Lars is in. Like, there's a scene where uh, the husband of the woman who's having the party, he's like dancing with uh, Bianca. They're all talking with Bianca, but I do, I do notice, I did notice how there's so many um, ticks that Lars yes. has. Like yeah. a bunch of like anxiety ticks. Like he has to like look down and you can like he takes like short deep breaths and he like you can see there's like so much going on.
0: Yeah. One thing he does is he squints really hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't notice that like when I had first seen it, but when I was watching, I was like, there's, there's so much more depth to Lars. Or even just this character, then, like, oh, like he's just some awkward, um, quirky dude. Like, you, like, he does really struggle with like a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And a lot of insecurity. And that really, really shows in this scene. But then it also really shows like how much he like wants to be open and he wants to be, um, I guess just more out there in general with like these people that he's around all the time. But yeah, I really, I did really did like the scene. I also did notice too, that he begins to kind of get, um, or not, not jealous, but he begins to take interest in Margot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just funny how he's showing interest in her and his girlfriend quote unquote girlfriend is in the other room. I I thought that was funny. Yeah, um, I think in the scene
0: we see that Margot is like hitting it off with some other guy, uh, which becomes yeah, some, her boyfriend for movie. the rest of the movie, and uh, some <laughs> fucking loser. Um, and, <laughs> um, so we cut from uh, oh, my favorite scene. One of my favorite scenes is when uh, that scene where I said scene like five times right now, um, <laughs> where Cindy, the host of the party, who's also the secretary at work. Uh, she, her husband is dancing with Bianca and we cut in slowly to Lars, who's dancing by himself, very like stiff. And it looks mm-hmm. like he's really tense and it looks like he wants to give in to the urge of just being like social and free, but he's like fighting himself at the same time. And then we cut to Lars and Bianca in the car, uh, going home. And he asked her like, Oh, so what'd you think of the party? And he breaks down and starts to cry. Uh, what do you think that was supposed to mean like symbolize for largest character like why does he cry in the in the car ride home
1: well um so immediately after like i'm assuming cuz obviously he conversates with her in his head but um he says like oh i'm just she she asks him if he's okay and he says yeah i'm just really happy i think it was like um, The way I saw it was like, like a feat or like an accomplishment. Like he's never done anything like that before. And it sounds kind of weird to describe an inanimate object this way. But the doll Bianca is definitely like some type of emotional support for him. Yeah. Because the moment that the, the Bianca's introduced his whole personality shifts. He's more open, he cracks jokes, he just has a a general sense of better well being. And for him to you know break down and cry like that uh it's I just saw it as like he could not have ever done this if Bianca was not there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's such an endearing scene. It's probably my favorite scene, (laughs) excuse me, in the whole movie. Um, I also find myself watching when I watch this movie that I also give in to Bianca being a real person, too. Um, And I like at this point in the movie, I stop referring to her as a doll or whatever. It's just Bianca. That's who she is. Yeah. Um, And it's just so captivating that the movie does that to you. Uh, you hope that you would be one of these good people to just go along with it because Lars is a good person, so why not? And uh, I think the movie does a good job of pulling you in and also caring about Lars uh, very deeply. So, yeah, it's so fucking good, guys. If you haven't yeah. watched this movie yet, go fucking watch it right now. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a very like positive, um. It, like the, the settings are a little bleak and the subject matter that were Jesus Christ. Um, the subject matter, sorry. Um, I have the door closed and Riley's like trying to fucking bust her way in here. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, for the listeners, Riley's not a person. That's Emilio's dog. Oh,
1: <laughs> Riley's, uh, my, uh, sex doll. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, not now. I'll, I'll get to podcast. you later, <laughs> no, Riley's my dog, um oh God for the love of God Riley's She's my depressed. dog um uh, what was I saying <laughs> 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 um it's just oh, such uh, a
0: positive movie,
1: yeah, yeah, it's so even like the the subject matter is a little um de pointy, but <laughs> it is a it is a really great movie um so after the party there is um a scene where lars is back at the psychiatrist's office dogmer Mm -hmm. and then he brings up that his mother uh immediately died when he was born uh because in the discussion he dogmer asks or um lars is telling Uh, dogmer oh um how does it feel to have kids and she said that it's nice and it's unexpected and he's and he brings up but they're not your kids and she goes no i can't have kids and lars says yeah bianca can't have kids either and she says oh okay um yeah her mother bianca's mother died uh, uh, at some time when she, she had given birth to Bianca and Dogmer points out, oh, that's the same as you. So you two have a lot in common. And Lars brings up that he is terrified at the thought of childbirth. Yeah. And I think I think this is where you not necessarily have to, it's not really a movie that you really have to pay attention to. Like I feel like when when you say oh you have to pay attention to this movie, people think of like Inception or Interstellar or um those are the only two I could think of honestly. <laughs> um, but because there there's these moments where you begin to realize like why there's this boiling point in this yeah. film, and it's because Karen is pregnant. Yeah, Karen is about to have a child. And a lot of stress and anxiety can be stemming from the fact that Lars is terrified of childbirth. And he also feels extremely guilty. He feels extremely guilty that um, in being born uh, their mother essentially is not around anymore. And upon that thought, when she brings up the thought of childbirth, he begins to have a panic attack. And then he paces around the room and he has to take off his jacket because it's so hot. And then she finally gets him to calm down. And, uh, this is like a really big moment, at least for the story. Like it really kind of begins to tie in so much of why he's just so anxious. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a really great, um, scene and it really shows just how much like Lars is internalizing
0: You know, I'm going to be honest, I didn't put together that his anxiety is probably exacerbated because Karen's pregnant until you brought that up right now. I just thought that like, you know, obviously he's using uh, Bianca as like a vehicle to talk about his own problems, but I completely forgot in that (laughs) until
1: you brought it up that she's
0: also pregnant. No, yeah, that's very true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, what's funny is like, I forgot about that too in like throughout the first half, but then. There is some scenes where they're bringing, they're talking about a baby. And, but I, I guess like, um, Karen, Karen, the character, like she doesn't come off as she's pregnant. Like she doesn't look pregnant. And the only time like I really noticed it is when they keep talking about it. And I was like, oh shit, like they're about to have a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was a really great scene and I think it really uh, portrays like how well like just anxiety can overcome somebody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You really feel for Lars. Um, The, the scene that follows is that um, the whole town starts to take notice of Bianca and everyone starts to become really accepting of her. So they start to offer Bianca different roles around the town (laughs) <laughs> like for one, she gets a job as like a model inside of a like a strip mall. She ends up donating her time and volunteering at the hospital, the children's hospital, uh at the local elementary, this, that, and the other thing. And eventually it leads into a big conflict between Lars and Bianca and they have their first fight because Lars returns home wanting to hang out with Bianca, but lo and behold, she's too busy because she's booked up. Um, and then this leads to a fight between Lars and Karen. Lars gets pissed off that Bianca leaves. He storms outside um, and Karen tries to comfort him. And he says something to the effect of like, you guys don't care. You don't, you, know, you, like, you don't care about me. And Karen blows up and says, like, what are you talking about? All these people love you. Uh, mm-hmm. She says something like, we dry her hair, we wash her, we do this all for you. And um, I think that uh, that Emily Mortimer does such a fucking fantastic job when she's like when she's acting as someone who's like finally releasing her emotions and like who's trying to be nice and understanding, but now has a big blow up because she's not being appreciated. Uh, what yeah. do you think of that scene?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love that scene. Um, it yeah, it's just really Shows like how much they're all doing for Lars, and Lars is kind of just very blind to it. Um, especially, uh, like you don't think about it, but they kind of are taking care of Bianca more than even Lars is to an extent. I mean, they, they, so Karen and Gus are basically bathing Bianca every night and. Lars is obviously dressing her and stuff but the rest of the community are like finding things for her to do and yeah. she even brings up that or um, they're like right before the fight Bianca even has a schedule of stuff that she's going to do for the day um, but yeah I absolutely love this scene you can really see too in um, Lars like how it gets to him and how guilty he feels Yeah, that he's saying stuff like that. And he takes notice that they are doing a lot for him and that the, the town and the people really do care about him.
0: Yeah. And uh, throughout the movie, we, we see that there's always parallels between what Lars is going through and then what he's going through with Bianca. So at this point in the movie, they're having conflict uh, and then Lars starts to have conflict within himself Um, he goes to the doctor and tells the doctor that he proposed to Bianca, but she said no. Um, And then we cut to him in the kitchen talking to his brother, and he asks Gus, like, uh, when did you know that you were a man? And this leads Gus to say, like, uh, he kind of stammers. He doesn't know what to say. Lars asks if it was when he had sex, and that makes Gus really uncomfortable. But then eventually he goes on to say something along the lines of, like, you're a man when you decide to do the uncomfortable. When you, do, when you decide to do the right thing, even if it makes you uncomfortable. And then he pauses for a moment and he tells Gus, like, "I'm sorry that I left you alone with Dad. I know that he did the right thing by taking care of us, but I left as soon as I could, and I'm sorry I left you alone." Um, and this is where the actor of Paul Schneider kind of like he, when he delivers this, it's so emotional, but he's like smiling and he has a smirk. And I don't (laughs) like that. I don't like his choice of doing that. Stop smiling, dude. Dude, fucking stop. (laughs) Okay, do you want to walk us through the final scenes? I believe the next thing is when he goes on a date with Margot.
1: Yeah, so there is a scene prior to this where Margot's upset at um, Lars's cubicle coworker because they have this... Back and forth kind of thing, or at least she does. Where he steals his little action figures, and I guess the coworker takes it a little too far, and he hangs her teddy bear.
0: Yeah, with the noose.
1: Yeah, and um, so she's very upset and shaken up about it. And Lars sees her in the break room. They begin to chit chat, and Lars pretends to do CPR on the bear, and he's like, "Oh, see, the bear's all better now." And she asks Lars, "Like, do you want to?" go hang out like everybody uh tomorrow night and he says oh well Bianca has this thing because lo and behold Bianca has another role in the community she's on the school board for some reason (laughs) um now that I said that out loud this town does seem kind of (laughs) kooky yeah but I I love it (laughs) yeah so yeah, let's just throw on the school board. What do you think, Bianca? Should we cut the, uh, should we cut the budget for, for for books at the for the for the school for the school hey Amen. I work at a school, so sounds about right to me. <laughs> I think Bianca said no. I don't know. I think I heard Bianca say yes. Bianca said we should definitely <laughs> cut the budgets. Um, and, but so he brings up, well, yeah, Bianca has this thing, this thing, but I can go. But it's just going to be me. And Margot gets very excited about that. And so they go bowling. And you can see how much Lars is really lighting up. Like he is excited. And they're both having a good time. And then even Gus's co-workers see them, playing, see them bowling. And they decide to join them. Yeah. And, and it's I
0: I do want to say when they walked in I was scared of like oh no these guys are going to come in and like be dickheads to Lars but they're not. They're just having a good time and Lars really like perks up to them too.
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone in this town is oddly nice. Yeah. I would definitely be a little pessimistic about that if I were in this town. But um yeah, so they all end up bowling with each other and they all have a fantastic time and do you want to run through the next scene that happens
0: yeah so they go outside and lars shakes her hand and he says something to the effect of like um i don't want to lead you on i don't want you to think that this is anything more than us hanging out and Margot says like yeah like of course like um, I would never want to steal someone away from someone's girlfriend. And uh, we can see that this is the catalyst that pushes us to the next scene where suddenly um, Lars decides, or Bianca is now unconscious and they have to rush her to the hospital. Um, and I love that this scene because Lars is on top of Bianca and he's just screaming like, she's unconscious. Yeah. Oh my God, she's-. And then uh, Karen yells out, uh, oh my God, call 911. Like she's genuinely <laughs> panicked and cares about Bianca. It just broke in everyone's perception. Everyone has gotten along with it to the point where they think Bianca is real. Um, so they cut to the doctors uh, and it's revealed that Bianca is dying. She will die for some reason. That's not really established. <laughs> and it's also funny that the whole town, we cut to a scene where the town is like everyone in town is being informed. Cindy, the receptionist, tells Margot. Uh a hairstylist tells like people getting their hair done and everyone's incredibly bummed out. And I just love that scene so much <laughs> that everyone cares yeah. so much. Um and then eventually we cut to oh well the doctor explains to Gus and Karen. Uh Gus and Karen are both kind of frantic, and Karen says something to the effect of like, How could you let this happen to Lars? And the doctor points out that this is all Lars is doing. He is deciding that Bianca is dying. And this is something that will probably stop his delusion because he's deciding to. Um, do you want to walk us through the final scene of them at the lake and then at the funeral?
1: Um, so they all decide to go out. Um, Lars and Bianca have kind of secluded themselves to the room um, I do like this trick that um, Karen does though where she initially goes to the door and asks Lars if he wants to head out but mm-hmm. then he asks oh would Bianca like to go out because it's such a nice day Yeah, and Lars decides that uh, Bianca says yes so they all go to this lake where Lars and Gus used to play as kids and it's one of the first places that Lars took Bianca when she was first Um, I guess delivered or brought upon into the world. And they have this small, they have, they all four of them have this small moment together. And then Gus and Karen uh, leave just for a bit. And um, Lars is talking to Bianca and then he kisses Bianca. And then the next scene is Gus and Karen walking back and Ryan Gosling is crying holding Bianca in his arms in, the, um, in about the middle of the lake. And when I had hopped on uh, for us to do this podcast, I was re-watching the ending because I wanted to ask Joseph. <laughs> because it, it kind of doesn't make sense as to why you would carry someone that just died into a body of water. So, Joseph, do you think Lars killed Bianca?
0: And I know that really is asking this question to be funny, but when he asked it, I was like, actually, is that the intention behind that scene? Is Lars putting her out of her misery? And now I don't fucking know. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I really hope it's not, because that's so fucking morbid to think about, that he'd be willing to kill someone that's in pain, I guess. But, like... I hope not.
1: I I don't know now. I really don't know. Because so the reason why like this was brought up to me was because I was looking over my movie notes and I wrote down Bianca dies and I was like, wait, what? Wait, how did she how did she die? And then so I rewatched it and I just kept like thinking over and over again. Okay, so they take a step away. Lars kisses Bianca kisses Bianca. Um, and even like, I try to look for some type of clue or, or or something to, 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 um, insinuate that she's, she has died, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't say that she's dead. Um, he doesn't react in a way after he kisses her, like that she's dead. And then you just cut to him crying and he's holding her in the lake. And it is assumed at this point that she's dead. Maybe you're right. I have no fucking idea <laughs> now.
0: <laughs> That's so fucking weird. Oh, man. I don't know. Now I'm really, I, I should have, like, looked that up. But I ne- that never crossed my mind. Like, when I first watched this movie, or what I remembered about this movie, is that he discovers her dead in the room That's, that was my memory so this mm-hmm. lake scene I did not fucking remember whatsoever um, but whatever <laughs> <I
1: don't know. laughs> so do you want to sh- uh, walk us through the uh, funeral scene yeah even though this question is going to haunt me for the rest of my life <laughs> um, so there's a big funeral that happens for Bianca um, the whole town is there, and um, basically everyone's coming up to Lars giving their condolences. I do like there's this one scene where the psychiatrist comes up to Gus because Gus looks a little uncomfortable, uh-huh. and he just mentions that he has a hard time with funerals. So you can really uh, see how much trauma this family has from like loss especially like how Lars um pretty much uh carries around this guilt for like the loss of his mother and even like the the loss of their far- father and how Gus obviously like he was older so he witnesses his mother uh pass and then obviously their father mm-hmm. passes as well um I did like that little scene there um but I will There is not a lot that I remember from this funeral scene. Yeah, it's
0: pretty straightforward. Like uh, the whole town comes out to mourn uh, the loss of Bianca. Everyone is there. And uh, we cut to her being buried or I guess at at the cemetery. And even Gus is crying in this moment. And the doctor walks up to Gus and he says like, oh, yeah, well, you know, funerals with my mom and my dad or whatever. And so then we cut to oh he says thank you to the doctor. Gus is finally like accepted what has happened that this delusion wasn't the end of the world and it ended up helping out uh, his brother Lars. So he's very thankful to the doctor. And then we cut to Lars and Margot. They have a little like one on one, and um, they're both or they're both sad about Bianca. And then uh, Margot says something to the effect of like, well, let's go join the rest of the people. And then Lars turns or says to her, uh, uh, do you want to go out for a walk? And then Margot says yes. And then the movie just ends. So mm-hmm. we end on a little scene of like, they will start dating. Um, I wanted to also say that apparently for this movie, Ryan Gosling stayed in character by talking to the doll as if it was an actual person. Um, yeah.
1: What do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, it is something that actors do to kind of stay in character. Um, I don't know. I mean, as someone who comes from an acting background, I understand it. I don't think I would necessarily, like, myself need that, but sometimes people do. Like, sometimes it's hard for... Um, actors to kind of come in from a completely different uh, mindset and then come into a scene where they have to adopt another completely different mindset. Um, But I always think of this uh, quote that um, John Malkovich told Dustin Hoffman on the set of death of a salesman Uh, Dustin Hoffman was carrying around suitcases filled with bricks to, uh, in his quote, Stay in character. And John Malkovich tells him, my dear boy, why don't you, why don't you just try acting? <laughs> um, but there are certain things that really help actors out. Like this can be one of them because obviously you are talking to an inanimate object and a lot of yeah. acting is having real emotions with like another person and sharing these real emotions and trying to create these real emotions for these characters to come off as believable real people. Um but if you're someone like Jared Leto who does it to be an asshole, then fuck you. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I think it pays off for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um I also Robert uh excuse me, Robert Pattinson has a quote saying like well, haven't you noticed when people do character work, or or they stay in character, that they're always playing an asshole? Um, <laughs> and I can't imagine Ryan Gosling ever being an asshole. So I think he stayed in character as someone who's very like cool and like lovable, and 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 wants to be a better person. So I think it pays yeah. off. And I think this brings us to the end of our podcast so we got to rate this movie so emilio give me a final summary of your feelings about this movie and then give it a score from one to five
1: well wait sorry i just want to bring something up and it's going back to if lars killed bianca (laughs) so apparently people googled this uh someone googled why did lars kill bianca another person googled why why did lars put bianca in the lake uh, so a few of these are not um, Lars and the real uh, and the real girl lore. Mm-hmm. This is obviously like what people kind of put together from it. So as for why did Lars put Bianca in the lake? Someone put that it appears to be a baptism. That's what but, I thought too. Yeah, because based on the next scene, the the, the funeral process um seems unusual and in baptizing it is a symbol of purging okay um but it is established at the beginning of the movie that they already b- both are very religious and they yeah. can't even sleep in the same room together uh someone asked why yeah. did Lars kill Bianca um this allows Lars to kill Bianca off when he no longer needs her as the mirror in which he can reflect upon his own past and issues. But no one answers if he actually drowns her. So that question's still out there.
0: I bet, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there you could find another like lore thing where someone's like, and like right before he also like has sex with her too. Uh, right be- like that's why he puts her in the water.
1: <laughs> Just like fan fan fiction of Lars and the real code. Just horrible fanfic. <laughs> but someone does uh All someone right. does mention that uh Bianca dies in Lars's arms.
0: So there you go. I don't know, dude. Like I'm I'm seriously gonna be thinking about this now that you brought it up.
1: Maybe the next the sequel should be Lars and the Murder. <laughs>
0: Lars and Lars and the, the Real Murder.
1: Yeah, Lars and the Drown Bianca or something. Do you think like if he did, do you think he'd be aggressive about it? I mean, we
0: just saw it. In that scene, he was very tender, so I don't think so.
1: He was kind of like, okay, Bianca, you're going to go to sleep now. And he just like puts her head in the water. Damn, this is so concerning. I really want to know if he kills her.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. All right. The answer has to be out there. <laughs> All right. Give us a final summary of your thoughts and then a score from one
1: to five. Well, I mean, yeah. I love this movie. It's um, it's on, oddly kind of nostalgic to watch it since I did watch it when I was younger. Um, Ryan Gosling is really good in it. Definitely something that's completely out of character for him. Caro, Lina. Um, <laughs> uh, everyone else is fantastic in it as well. And I think it, it kind of is a good, uh, example of how we should approach certain things that when it comes to someone's mental health being very like acknowledging it and being nurturing towards it, like, cause the ultimate goal is I think the ultimate goal of the movie was to figure out why Lars is using this doll to express himself. And eventually when he no longer needs Bianca and he murders her in the lake, he becomes open and he is finally going on a date and he's able to talk to people. And I think that's, I honestly was getting a little emotional because of how great it seems for Lars to be able to do that after he viciously murders Bianca.
0: I'm going to go to IMDb and put that in <laughs> <laughs>
1: official lore. Um but yeah, I give it a a 5 out of 5.
0: Very very respectable. Um I yeah, man, I love this movie too. I haven't seen it in a good while. I remember liking it as a teen and then re-watching it now. I'm so happy that it's so good. It oddly to me feels kind of timeless. There's nothing in the movie that really ages it except for maybe like the computers that they use, but that's like pretty forgivable. Um, all the characters are so nice and endearing, um, especially Emily Mortimer. She does such a fucking awesome job. Um, Ryan Gosling is just so fucking likable in this movie and he's such a complex and and cool character Um, even the doll Bianca is a character that I end up liking which really stands to um, really just goes to show that the writing for this movie is just so amazing which they went on to I don't know if they won or they were nominated for an Oscar for best screenplay Mm -hmm. and uh, it's fucking well deserved because this is such an amazing movie um yeah, hell yeah. Five out of five. I really like this movie a lot. Um so in the pantheon of Ryan Gosling movies, if you're gonna score it from an S being the best all the way down to an F, where are you gonna place this movie?
1: Oh, definitely an S. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I mean he's just uh Like you don't see Ryan Gosling's movie, you see Lars, and I think that's a big Thing, especially when you can characterize Ryan Gosling as playing the same type of style of person this is just something that's a complete 180 from that so yeah definitely an S tier
0: Yeah, I also agree uh, this is a big time S um, damn he is so fucking good in this movie and I've noticed that in a lot of the movies that I like with him he ends up singing at some point and his singing in this movie is so good <laughs> I think it's a great character um, and he really fucking brings it to life. Uh, This is really uh, showing his range for sure. So, yeah, S. Okay, last thing. Are we literally him? Do you literally see yourself as Lars?
1: You know, like I have like bouts of anxiety and anxieties that definitely come from things that are just in my head that are very weird and random and they don't really make sense to me in the moment and they can be anxious and they can be a little bit overwhelming. Uh, he's definitely somebody who is also very caring and compassionate, which I believe I am to an extent. Um, and he, uh, actually just shows how how much of like a great partner he tries to be uh, especially with Bianca. And I think that I tried to do that with uh, my partners as well. Um, I do see a lot of myself in Lars actually. I think if I weren't somebody that was able to talk to people easily and put myself out there, I can definitely see myself being someone like this, just kind of like timid, And a little bit reclusive. But definitely still wanting to. Connect with people. So yeah. I would say I do see a lot of myself. In Lars.
0: Yeah. um, I am a person. Who has never. Like had a delusion. Get to this point. But um, hey. I wouldn't put it past myself. Um, (laughs) I think that. He is a person that just wants to be the best self that he can be. And uh, I'd like to think that I would have really supportive people around me that would help me out through a situation like this. And at the end of the day, he's just someone who wants to be loved and wants to be cared for and wants to not be afraid of his, uh, of his uh, anxieties and worries. And uh, I totally relate to that. So I would say that I am literally him.
1: Would you um, take this doll that you have in your head as a real person for days um, and when you feel like you're not, when you no longer need the doll, would you take the doll in the river and drown it?
0: I mean, if Ryan Dawson did it, I'd do it too. (laughs) Anything Ryan does, I'll do it. You jump off a bridge, I'll do it too, Ryan. <laughs> please <laughs> don't. We don't might. do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's the end of our show. Thank you so much, everyone. Please go ahead and give us a rating, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything, uh, anything?
1: Comment, review, any review. Shitty reviews are welcome.
0: Yes, please.
1: Uh,
0: all right. That'll do it for us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.